Hey everyone, I'm Wa. And I'm Chris. Oh, and welcome to Docu Sweetie. See, I forget things all the time. Like I pre okay, here's the thing. You're you guys, fine. We forgot, we forgot to uh, do. No, I'm just gonna like go into it. We forgot to do the end of episode two in episode two. So just as I forgot to say, Docu Sweeties, we forgot that, and so we're going to add it on. So anyway, this is Docu Sweeties. Wa. She hates it. Just do it again. We're two longtime friends to discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docu series. Yes, but through our own lens, which is very forgetful, forgetful, and forgetful, and like messy and forgetful. Sometimes but also sweet. Yay! Hi guys, we're talking about Madoff, the Wolfful Wall Street. No, the Monster of Wall Street. It's season one, maybe we'll see. It's episode three. This is called See No Evil. Now, here's the truth, which I've already made mention: is that in episode two, we forgot to talk about two things. So we're just going to like massage that into the beginning of this and continue on um, this horrible story of this financial sociopath, just like. Taking billions and millions from people all over the world. Okay, so in episode two, what ends up happening is Barons ends up writing an article, and the article is like, how the hell did he do it? How can he do it? It's what? You know, and therefore being as kindly as possible, raising like a hard eyebrow, you know, and it makes Bernie freak out because he knows he is an absolute fraud and so he's like you know it's one of those things where he doesn't want any publicity bad nor good this coming out is bad obviously for him and he feels like he has to like uh you know make sure that people are just like not talking to anyone he gets really intense about how many times he's calling his uh secretary on the phone um and, and uh yeah, so that that is what's happening in his in his realm, and we go jump back to the seventeenth floor to meet um, a cast of characters and some of those people. Wah, right? Yeah. So on the seventeenth floor, meanwhile, two like computer dudes are who he either hires straight out of college or straight out of high school or straight out of Compton. I'm not sure, but they're like, "Hey, this is illegal activity." And we've been doing this for a while, so we're gonna stick it to the Wall Street guys. So we're we they go in there under the guise of like wanting to say, hey, we don't want to do this anymore because it's illegal. We we don't think it's it's right. So uh, if you you we we would like more money, please, in order for that to happen. <laughs> Bernie, like, like Bernie. At first, they like go hard, like it's Joe Pesci, and it's like Bernie, and then you're know, like gangsters, you know, like and they're like, we would like that in diamonds, please, because they knew that if they asked for more money, like under the table, that it it would be it could be traced, so or something. But they decided that they wanted it in diamonds, so what they could go down to like the diamond district and sell it. I don't know what they were gonna do with these diamonds, but they. <laughs> It's so funny because like in our, in our culture now, like I, I wouldn't know what to do with diamonds cash. I'd know what to do with that, but I wouldn't know how to sell diamonds. Like you just can't walk into a place and just give some, get, I can't walk into Kay's jeweler and be like, Hey, so I have these diamonds. Would you like to purchase them from me? And do they come like in a velvet sack? Like, you know, like 
right? I mean, they have to come in a velvet sack. You can't yeah. no other place to put a diamond inside like a velvet sack. And it's I like just, a- I don't know. So anyways, they asked for that and Madoff is just like, you know what? Never mind. Here, you just get 60K more a month, a year. And they're like, okay. I said, only 60K? You asked for diamonds. <laughs> And now you're just, you're like, okay, on the, okay. So also, I'm like, how, were they on payroll? Were they on his legitimate business's payroll? I think they were. Because I'm like, did y'all pay taxes? Like, it's just so crazy. Anyways, so um, he gives them 60K more a month and they're cool with it. They just continue working with him. And uh, the uh, people who are doing the documentary are like, he probably, like, if they had more savvy, if they really knew what they were sitting on, they could have asked for so much more money. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. It, like, if I had been like, wow, um, let me see what, what's happening on Jody's desk. <laughs> if I saw what the fuck was happening on Jody's desk, I'm like, listen, this is what I'm gonna need. <laughs> okay. And then I would take it and disappear. <laughs> they didn't disappear. They stayed working for him. Like two bumba clots. So anyways, that's the natural end of episode two. Now we are moving on to episode three, which is See No Evil. And we're, I mean, just the FCC, SEC, SSC, CCS, they just failed it 100%, Chris. Yeah, the SEC, the Security Exchange Commission. So we also pick up with um, another pair of victims of Bernie's talking. And it's like this white guy and his wife, who's also white, she has like a Sia haircut, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, but she's cute, whatever, God bless. And they're going to talk throughout the entire documentary. But so his point is this, he's like, I did due diligence on Bernie. Oh no, I there wasn't one article that I didn't like clip out. I like Google whatever like him. Like literally I'd be like, how the fuck is he making me so much money? But I would be on top of every time the SEC had brought him in or everything and being like, you guys keep autoing, auto- autoing, auditing him and you guys are okay with it. You guys are like, yep stamp of approval this is working for us and if it's working for you uh yes it's working for me because it is working for me in the sense of like i am making money i think and so i'm just gonna keep putting money in so anyway that's kind of like and i understand that it's like a victim it's like a weird thing to say it's like he Bernie has perpetrated a crime and the truth of the matter is in a lot of it's like it's not it is his fault, but there are regulatory situations that really failed on a drastic level. And I think that we're used to sometimes some federal agencies failing, like, you know, when people fall through the cracks and mental health, like, does things and there's horrible, whatever, atrocities that happen out of that. And it's like where the buck stops and where responsibility stops. Like, it does feel to me like, these people have a case to sue, you know, like, I'm just like, yeah, like you can, yeah, you know, like you can, this is crazy to me anyway. So that's kind of like, not just him, but that's kind of like what's happening in probably a lot of the minds of people that are following him. And like, you know, also it's hard to do due diligence on this type of work. It's like, unless you are a financial planner that can like really go in or a mathematician like Harry and I mean crunch numbers what Harry's doing and the uh to be able to mathematically find out what we haven't gotten to Harry yet so let me explain to him so we are Frank Casey right Frank Casey is a Boston money manager who 
is in the, in the finance world and he meets with a wealthy investor by the name of Rene Rushler, who is a, a aristocrat from Europe. Now, whether or not Rene is an aristocrat from Europe with a hundred room castle, we will never know. But he's like, I'm trying to like get this guy to like, you know, uh, invest or yeah, I'm trying to get this guy to work with my firm. But then when I go and talk with Renee, who like I'm cool with, we've met, like, you know, and it's so funny because like Renee's is like aristocrat and like Frank is like this Boston guy, you know, he's like, yeah, I tried to tell Renee uh, who is an aristocrat. That's New Jersey or Italian or whatever. I just made it up. But it's wicked hot. You know what I'm saying? To do these accents. So, <clears throat> so he's like, he's talking to him and he, um, when Renee shows him some kind of documentation, the name of the um, secret like fund or investment person that he's working with is re is redacted in, in black. And um, Frank's like, hey, why is this redacted? Like, you need to tell me who you're working with. And he's like, nah, it's secret. Um, we just make money with this person. And this is this is what it is. I I don't have that. I don't have losses. And Frank is like, that is impossible. It's crazy. It can't be done. Right. So Frank goes back to his bosses and he's like, yeah, there's something shady going on. And the bosses are like, figure it out. So Frank then, while Renee's back is turned, looks into a, like a manila folder he has on his desk to like see the name of this company. And he sees Madoff and he's like, what the Madoff has an, am I saying, am I saying the right words, investment firm? Mm-hmm. Uh, Madoff has an investment firm. I thought he just had the one thing on the 19th floor in the lipstick building. He has another company and it's unregistered. Interesting. So then the, 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 his company, Frank's bosses are like, listen, we want to be competitive. Bernie can't just be this Titan. We need to figure out what he's doing, why he's so successful in the market and, and working with the market in the way that he does. So crunch some numbers. So then the sales guy, Frank, goes to the math guy, Harry, and is like, hey, look at these numbers. Does this make sense? And Harry's like, I'm busy. There are numbers calling my name. And Frank's like, please look into it. And then Harry's like, okay. He looks at it. He's like, this is impossible. This cannot be real. Come back in two hours. Frank comes back in two hours. And Harry's like, seems like a fraud. Do, 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 do. And then the company is still like, okay, it might be a fraud, but how can we do it legitimately? And Harry's like, we cannot. And the company is like, figure it out. And so Harry then like burns the midnight oil trying to figure it out. He comes up with something that is not, it, it, it would get the returns that the company, that the people would want, that their, their clients would want, but the risk is like way high, way high, but they really want that European money. They really, really do. Yeah, absolutely. Harry becomes quickly our favorite. There's also another favorite character I have, which is Diana, who ends up being like another author of like, you know, it's called The Wizard of Wall Street. It's like, you know, the, the I, I met a step, The Wolf of Wall Street. There's so many, you know, different entities of Wall Street. And um, so... Uh, yeah, he uh, he can't find a portfolio product that obviously matches and no one wants to take the risk of 50%, especially if they can make the same returns without the risk. <laughs> it's like, well, wait, wait, I have the same, wait, I can either not make that risk and make the same money or make that risk and make the same money and, but also lose it. Just, is that why you're giving me the options? I'm just going to like, <laughs> let me think about that, not do it. So it's like, it's, a, it's, you know, but it's not real. It's so weird. Um, so. Harry, obviously, is like, this is dumb and submits a complaint to the SEC, honey. 
like a long ass complaint, like detailed math mathematician, like bullet point. There's bold prints. There's red flags of him being like, okay, first things first. <laughs> this is bananas. This is wild. Like this can't happen. This wouldn't be a real thing. Like that. So right off the way, isn't that weird? You guys, isn't that weird? <laughs> like just goes down the list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing. SEC data, like they're like, no. See no evil. Is this what this called? Yeah, this is like the S. It's the SEC that's like, that's the little monkey in this. That's like, I don't know what's happening and who's who's there and I'm not gonna say anything. You know. Yeah. So Harry decides that he's gonna call like the papers and tell them, and they're like, listen, we're not gonna take, we don't print any accusations of a mathematician about one of the biggest business uh, finance tycoons that we've got right now, who like is on the board of everything, like and does chair. Like we're not gonna do this. You need to, you know go somewhere else. So then Frank is like, you know what I need? I need a financial investigative reporter. And so he like, is like, okay, how do do I find that? So he just is randomly in Barcelona with his wife one day. And uh, he does, he meets one. So he gives this person the information. And once he says made off to that investigator, that investigator's neck, like, breaks trying to whiplash to to look at frank to be like tell me more tell me more because it, you know people probably have been rumbling about like how the does madoff do it but nobody wanted to go up against him um so um the sec because they you know got a complaint they had to do something so they didn't do something for a while right and then they decided to do something so then they called him and they're like hey burns what are you doing? And Burns like, I'm good. And they're like, hey, so do you have a secret head fund or a secret investment company? <laughs> and he's like, no. And they're like, you know, that's what we thought. <laughs> Sorry to bother you. See you at golf in Palm Beach in two weeks. <laughs> Goes yeah. about their business. So, uh, yeah. So he doesn't, it's weird because this is what's, I mean, okay. My dad is a registered investment advisor. So what he, he does, what Harry should have, Harry, he does what Bernie should have done. Like technically, uh, Bernie does not want to register as an in- investment advisor because when you do, you have to not only like comply to certain SEC guidelines, but also like take continuing exams and like go to like conferences to like be on your game, you know, because you're, you have a fiduciary, you know, situation to your clients. A responsibility. You have a fiduciary responsibility to your clients to maintain like an ethical um, adherence to their wants and desires. You are, you are, you are giving them your trust and your ethics to be like, because money is, you know, a very important thing for people. So it's like their children, you know, it's like, it's their health. It's like, there are certain things that we have to like give onto others a certain responsibility for to like move in this world, but like they're incredibly precious and we need to make sure the people that have them in their hands are like good, good people. It's very hard though. So, um, yeah, you know, Madoff also will have a lot of like luck in his enemies and his friends. And there is also like a frenemy aspect at one point, And then uh, this might be off. He like talks about people that he'll like keep closer. He he is a manipulating person, moving people in and out on a chessboard to get what he wants. Um, so. Hmm. 9-11 yeah. happens and. Yeah. 
when they show footage of 9-11, you guys, as somebody who lived there, I was like, I could only imagine what the folks were going through. I, living there, I met people who had so much PTSD from New York City. And I was in retail. I had a guy once who I was selling shoes to and I was selling him some just like loafers. Uh, and he was like, um, do you have something that has a little bit of rubber on the bottom? And I was like, yeah. And I showed him these. And he's like, I need to be able to run. And I was like, okay. And he just got up and like started running around the store. And then he's like, yeah, I was, I was down there during nine 11 and like my shoes just weren't accurate for, for that. And I said, yeah, I'll show you everything that has a rubber bottom. And I had that one interaction with that one guy and I was just like, wow. And then my friend Jill lived there during it too. Like, so, I mean, it is, uh, it is, New York city is such a space where people don't talk to each other, but we all connect. And so knowing what Bernie did, like it's, it's even, it's even more like interesting because I know the effect that it could have on, on, on folk. And I also know, like we talk about money and it seems like everyone's like, Oh, it's greed. It's greed. But there is such an energy to the East coast in certain places that lends to this idea of commerce and the exchange of money. There is an energy in New York City specifically that lends to that. It lends to, you know, a city that never sleeps. It lends to going on vacations during the winter. And I got very used to that lifestyle. So like, I get it. When you're like, we go to Palm Beach, Florida for the, for the winter, I'm like, I understand. Yeah. I go to Dominican Republic for the winter. You know, I go here for like, I, you know, I get it. So you don't want to leave that life. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to let it go. Chris. Yeah. So basically um, his profits start to get squeezed on his legitimate side of the business. And um, it's not the first time that he will now uh, start to prop up his legitimate business with the funds that he just gets to intake from his uh, illegitimate one. And the way that he does it, he has to wire, you know, because everything is fake or in, in a fraud, he has to wire funds across the seas and then have those turned into treasury bills to come back and be able to, uh, I guess, not have tax people or the IRS get them, you know, but I mean, I don't know why he would fear any sort of government entity. He seems to have everyone, everyone wrap around his finger. So um, there's, so as we said, there's a lot of Europe money in this fund. Let me jump yeah. in and say one thing. Sure. So another reason why I, I think that his legitimate business had such issues is because he was so extravagant and decadent with them. And um, one of the things that you learn as a business person is that payroll, your employees are your most expensive expense. And he would hire people who were not doing anything for the company, who were not actually contributing and making money in, in a way or doing whatever to keep those things profitable. So while we're like, oh, his legitimate business was his legitimate business, it probably on its own would not have been super um, profitable for the way that he was like giving someone a diamond ring, a, a, a necklace, like he was giving everyone gifts and shit. And so like it was being funded from the 17th floor, but also, it, it there was no checks and balance with that because he knew that the 17th floor could could possibly always bail them out. Okay. Yeah. Go so ahead. Harry then goes to Harry goes back to Europe, right? And this is one of my favorite parts. Like Harry's just being taken around by like rich French people. Okay, how fucking fabulous! I'm just like dying over this. At one point, they show the Arc de Triomphe, honey, and it's in the uh, the Arc de Triomphe is like right in the like uh, Chasse de Lisée or whatever, and like it's right. Uh, 
right by the Hotel de Crayon, which I love, and Buddha Bar, right across the right. I don't know if Buddha Bar is still there, but this is how I live my life. Anyway, the Arc de Triomphe, um, Harry looks and like the guy's like, hey, you like see those like names on that uh, big piece of famous rock right there and harry like does and he's like yeah like those names like that's who we're having dinner with it's just the elite of the elite private bankers in france who like you know whose last names have like built organ you know structures hundreds of years ago like it's that kind of thing whereas americans were like that kind of like upper echelon class thing doesn't quite exist here so um now one also important thing in which i think is interesting as a financially literate person when we're talking about risk we talk about minimizing risk, right? And the way you minimize risk is diversification, making sure you don't have all your eggs in one basket, because if all your eggs are in one basket and that basket fails, honey, all your eggs break. But if you have 10 eggs and you have five eggs in five different baskets, you know, whatever, and two eggs double up sometimes, if one egg breaks, I'm sorry, if one basket breaks, you got a lot of eggs left. Okay. That's why basically. So it's interesting that these high level bankers, right, are putting more and more money into one basket and not even diversifying away from Bernie just in fucking case, just in case to mitigate that risk. It's like the greed even over, it overtakes what is like basic financial knowledge when you get to that kind of thing. It's just what, you know, it's like math. It's like, yeah, one plus one equals two. You diversify your things. It's just, it's crazy to me how, sophisticated if we're going to use that word supposed sophisticated financial people not even just i mean across the board people were taken by him truly even the sec go ahead yeah i also think that it could just be due to the fact that some of these banks were backed by such rich families that the idea of like a, a lot of these rich families got their money on the backs of of the poor of slavery of all kinds of things so they're not like when you've been rich for so long, I think that you, you're able, you don't, you don't see the bottom. Like, you're just like, uh, like, we'll just do this. This is making us the most money. It's always made, we'll, we'll bounce. We'll always have money. We'll always make money. We'll just, we'll figure it out. So I think there's like a little bit of, that, of an arrogance because at the end of this, they all get bailed out anyway. So like there, while there is a loss that could have happened, the way that this exploded, nobody went to jail people just paid fines and then the governments bailed them out as banks so like a lot of the super rich did not get unrich because of this you know so i think that's also interesting too there's a little bit of risk that they're willing to take because like truly are they going to end up living out of their a honda civic with two suitcases like that is the saddest story of this entire thing which we'll talk about next episode um so we start to see that Bernie is getting a little weird and fanatical um, because like Harry is like, I don't think, I don't know if he knows who Harry is. Right. But Harry is not taking any chances. Okay. Harry is like carrying a gun. Harry is like starting to get like create like paranoid as he should be because of what's going on and what he's seeing. He doesn't know if Bernie's going to put a hit out on him. You know what I'm saying? But, um, Bernie, every because he's such an OCD kind of fanatical, like sociopath, crazy person, he like in different points of his life is overbearing and extra is the only way I can think of it. And it's a very like layman's term for it. But <clears throat> we go, we then pivot to his relationship with his family and we talk about Peter again. And 
everyone is like, oh, Peter was probably very scared of Bernie because Bernie would berate him in front of everybody. Bernie would belittle him. Um, Bernie was a bully to him as I go. And then when it, he found out that Peter was going to therapy, Bernie publicly shamed him in front of those of his colleagues. And like, and I just think like, what could you imagine like loving your older brother so much, giving you all this opportunity, like providing a lifestyle that you would not have been able to procure on your own yet. He is willing to berate you in front of strangers, not strangers, but non-family members and even in front of family members. So like, I can only imagine how he might've treated his sons. Like I know that his uh, secretary wants to believe that like his sons like walked on water and that everything was perfect, but that kind of person doesn't just treat certain people or his brother like that person treats everyone around him poorly everyone gets that wrath every everyone is in, is indebted to him because he could pull the, their lifestyle up from underneath them at any moment um so we talk about the brother being ahead of of compliance and just not doing anything that is what a compliance officer does and that is the biggest red flag i think that the sec completely let go of the fact that you have your own brother as your compliance officer. That is the person who is supposed to ensure that the audits are done, that the books are correct, that everything, everything has a, an I and a T is crossed. And there's a, you know, the dotted line, like he, they're the one to make sure that the company is doing everything that they're supposed to do. So like, how could they not know if something bad was going on? Yup. So basically the SEC gets the multiple hairy letters and they've had the Barron article. And so they decide to send two junior examiner uh, investigators to come to the office and in uh, house audit, if you will. And there's a big conference, you know, center. And um, they're like, you know, it's one of the first times they get into the office and then to their surprise, Bernie himself is like, why, hello, hi, come sit down in the conference center. Like, the like, and they describe it as like, could you imagine, I mean, yeah, could you imagine going to like Amazon and then just like having like, be like, and Jeff Bezos is like, hey guys, you know, because Jeff Bezos has a crazy ass eye. Oh, well, crazy ass. And it's like, yeah, you know, like sit down. No, not on Lauren Sanchez, like for some reason, whatever, God bless he's with her. But like over there and like, you know, like, let me tell you about Amazon, you know, whatever, God bless. So Bernie's like, yeah, like, you know, like, hey, it's like super charming. Like, do you want a cappuccino? My girl will give you a cappuccino. Love that scarf. It's like, oh yeah, you guys just like, you know, me, Bernie, like head of NASDAQ board of directors, like about to be like such a big thing. And like, I'll tell you, honey, I know you, I know you, I see the good work that you're both doing. And I'm going to remember your names, your faces, both of those things. And we'll just see what happens. Yeah. He's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> you're just like, uh -huh! these people are like, cool, cool. Um, hmm. Yeah. Just like going to like stay around and ask some questions. And Bernie's like, uh-huh. And then, so like later on, um, Bernie, uh, rifles through their their briefcases and finds the Baron article that that's like basically like how the hell does he fucking do things and what the hell was what's actually happening here and like is there an investment firm and he confronts them and they're like yeah no that's okay yes that's what we have to like ask you about like what's happening this is very conf confusing we just like kind of keep hearing things and um Bernie's like yeah I already talked to your bosses about that so yeah go go ask them and so they're like, oh, you, you did? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I already talked to them last week. Yeah, it's fine. Talk to them. Yeah, so uh, 
I guess nothing to see here, nothing to do. Uh, okay, thanks, Mr. Madoff. Like, we're going to we're gonna close this case. I don't even, they leave the lipstick building. They probably get, like, a juice at Preda Manger and then go back to their office. It's crazy. Anyway, so, um, now listen. In the summer of 2005, um, there is another hedge fund group called the Bayou Group. And their manager ends up like, you know, being exposed and getting arrested and having like news reports about how like he's a fraud and blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, obviously Bernie sees that (laughs) and probably is like literally that emoji face with like the teeth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Bernie, you know, here's the thing. Upon he's not giving any money out. All he's doing is using money. Like, you know, like and he can get he's he's not making money except for the fact that people are giving him money. You know what I'm saying? And all he do all he's doing is spending it. Plus he has to give money to his top five givers whenever they want. So it isn't like it's a weird situation. And he gets down to his final 13 million. And the problem is he has outstanding debts of 100 million. Um, so then we meet two people or we like read, cause we knew, did we know Sonia Conan? So- we didn't Sonia? know, so- we didn't know Sonia Cohen, but we did know Jeff Pickauer. So Jeff yeah. Pickauer comes to the rescue again. And then somehow he's introduced to this woman who walks in with fur coats and bath teeth. Her name is Sonia Cohen. Um, and she would go to his office and they would close the door and talk. And that was very interesting to Eleanor, who was the assistant. She was like, "Mm, what are they talking about in there? Um, And uh, she always says that Eleanor was just like a sweet, not not Eleanor, uh, Sonia was like a sweet grandma who would come in and she was very kind to everybody. um, But she always had one fancy thing on her at any given time. And I saw pictures of her and I was like, what is that wig? Chris, is that a wig she's wearing? I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that, yes. I mean, she seems like a very unsavory character. She ends up making this, like, bank called the Bank Medici, which, I mean, so the Medici family is a historical banking family, right? Um, And specifically, I guess, in Italian, in Italy, specifically. And just it's like you I don't, okay it's like using the word Rothschild or it's like using the word Aster you know it's like it's I'm trying to think of like there's not really Kennedy Rockefeller Rockefeller it's like it's like suddenly if Chris Farah me just being like you guys I'm creating a new bank it's the bank of the Kennedy Rockefellers Kennedy yeah. Rockefeller Bank you know you're just like uh, oh I know those I know those last names you know they and they you know personify whatever just like dignified wealth generational wealth I guess or you know like it's obviously very point a very it would be a very pointed attempt at me at getting you to think that this is like a very old historic moneyed institution and if you found out that like I made it in 2023 wouldn't you be like huh the hell is she trying to pull but that's what Sonia Cohen does and it got all these backers like it immediately because it got one backer then that backer it was like owned by like this other big thing and then like it was even owned by another big thing so it was like it was like all of a sudden it just became super legitimate and um that is what she she did her feeder funds with bernie too but mm-hmm. she made sure to cover her butt so 100 percent, she was like we're both scammers i see you you see me scam 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 away so she um was one of his feeder funds and uh they worked together and it turns out after harry like has kind of done his little research and how the when the governor whoever 
does their research, they find that of all the feeder funds, like let's say this man has 250, uh, 200, 300 feeder funds, 79 of them are in the US and 200 of them is from Europe. <laughs> or as uh, Yara from 90 Day Fiance would say, Europe. Yes. Like he, he has scammed the Europeans the and the rich, rich Europeans more than than the U.S., right? Um, so, but again, I like I said, what I was saying before, like they probably were just like, listen, we're used to making money by hook or by crook anyway. That's how my family got here. So hmm, it's fine. So um, nobody, though, wants to believe truly that bernie is in as deep in something so illegitimate as what he's probably in right like that that's the problem too with the reason why the sec didn't look into it as much is because they were just like they can't be possible like yes people have ponzi schemes yes they do this but could it be from madoff who like pioneered the technological and financial era of the US in the late 80s and early 90s? Could it be this charitable man who has the ear of all the important players in the US and some that are across the pond? It can't be. But now Bernie is in so deep that even if he wanted to kind of extradite himself and like do legit, he couldn't because they refer to it as the golden handcuffed. And this is just this like, it's a handcuff, but it's made out of gold. So it's fun. It's fine. <laughs> I have a uh, lot of them. Yeah. So at this point, Harry is like mad frustrated. He's like, listen, I am an honorable guy who has had to watch his back for the last eight years or whatever. And you guys need to do something about him. So he sends like a final 17 page document. I mean, it is, it is, there is no jargon in this. It literally says red flag number one. And then it's a paragraph and it's ever changing. He has continuously updated it. He, I, he, it's not like he's like giving them information from 2000. Like he continues to follow Bernie and continuously updated. He has turned in reports to the SEC 2000, 2001, 2005, 2006, He's done it four different times. And in between 2006 and whatever, Bernie makes so much money. Um, so like, <laughs> just, he's so pissed. This entire time, he's just really, really mad. Chris? Uh, yeah, I... So basically, at this point, the docuseries also starts doing kind of like a slot machine thing where it'll say like, January 2006. And then it'll be like, 486 million invested, you know, and it's kind of like showing us, well, as the time progresses, how quickly it goes up because it starts, you know, it's kind of like this thing. <laughs> I don't have this, but they say like, once you become like an influencer, like once you get past a certain amount of likes, your likes start to go way up because there's this thing when you follow someone, you're like, well, I want to follow someone as oh, this person's interesting. Oh, they have 1 million followers. Well, I guess another million people think that they're interesting too. <laughs> follow. As opposed to like, oh, this person's weird. Like, oh, that person has 192 followers. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever, like there is that thing where the more someone, you know, has people what perceive behind them, it's easier to give um, either allegiance or respect. So 
in the final years, again, the money is just coming in, just pouring like it's pouring outside. Um, in 2006, that's the final time that Harry puts in with the SEC. And the SEC is like, oh, God, this Harry guy. Let's go look into it again. And somehow Bernie gets wind of it. And so he decides that he is just going to go into the SEC's office. Like he's just going to go there. No lawyers, no brother, his, no one to even hold his bloody briefcase. He walks in there like a boss. He sits down and he's like, ask me anything. And Amen. they're like, hmm? Like a Reddit AMA, honey. Go ahead. Ask me anything. And so then they're like, you know, where do you trade? Where are the options? Like, more importantly, let me see the bank account. And this is some, I don't know the title. It's a bank account where it should literally show all of the transactions and trades that are happening. He should, it should detail everything. And he doesn't have this bank, you guys, because he uses a JP Morgan regular ass bank account. <laughs> okay. So he doesn't actually have an account and he's not going to give them the JP Morgan account. Like he's, you know, whatever. So he goes in there, he answers their questions. He writes on a piece of paper, what the account number is. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, does he know the numbers off the top of his head or did he pull out a fake like my little folder and just like jot down some numbers Like what happened. So uh, he gives it to them and they go, okay, thank you. And so Bernie, it's Friday. So Bernie's like, I at least have the weekend, right? Because banks are already closed. They're not going to open until Monday. So he goes off that weekend and everyone's like, we don't know what he must've been feeling during that weekend. Just waiting for the ax to fall Saturday, Sunday, Monday, no ax Tuesday. No, not even a, not even a stiff wind on Tuesday, Wednesday, nothing happens because later on the SEC people will testify that they forgot. And in one of their pockets is a yellow post-it with the numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That was like folded up and put in their pocket. They forgot. They are auditing the biggest thing ever in their in their careers they are auditing this man who is knee deep in so much stuff but they don't do anything and for the next two years until he finally is caught and he's only caught because of the crash he makes billions i mean he, he ramps it up times 10 um, and so usually whenever, right before there's a crash, there's like this moment of where everyone's being really decadent. I don't know. I was so poor, like 2004 to 2008. So like, I don't remember <laughs> this, this, all this money. I even was in retail in Rodeo Drive selling shoes and folks wasn't buying them. I did mean cre Crema Duja Bar during that time. So straight to that. But like, that was yeah, a big foot. I don't, you had a, that was a big foot. Big foot. I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't know people were, were having such an amazing time in this time of, of their lives, but apparently they were. And then the Dow Jones falls in 2008 and the avalanche starts. People start to sell. And again, Bernie's business is a legitimate business where he's a middleman who's responsible for always selling and trading stock because he kind of sits in the middle. He, you know, he's not Amazon. He's not the, the, the person buying Amazon stock. He's in the middle. And so when people then start to call and say, I need my money, I would like to sell. I would like to sell. I would like to sell. He starts to cut checks and then he starts to quickly run out of money. And it is like the whole scheme is going to blow up 
in his face and it's it could have been caught it, it could have saved people so much money had in 2006 the sec remembered to fucking check his bank account now here's what i think and here's what i think the documentary couldn't say i think that he paid them off he there is what are they too busy to do <laughs> like yeah, I'm like, did those people that like came that day, are they dripping in Rolex watches? Like, can you check how many Chanel's they have? Is it weird? I'm just wondering. A, absolutely, yes. B, um, so yeah, um, they talk a little bit about, of course, why the stock market crashed. And we, if you just want to know why 2008 is the big deal it is, it's because pe- uh, people were given home loans by shady companies, by companies that knew that they these loans weren't uh, weren't good weren't going to be like be able to be paid back in such a way they were like faulty loans and then those loans were packaged by banks and then people invested to buy those products and then when the loans couldn't get repaid the people didn't get money it was just like a just it was a free-for-all so um anyway my love can you believe we actually got to this end of this episode plus that is the end of this episode we only have one more episode left honey and um we will also get into a little bit of what we might know about some of the players after so we might have done a little research anyway thank you so much for listening we wholeheartedly appreciate your ears in this matter if you want your eyes to be in on it we have options for you free options would be social media at docusweeties exists on instagram at docusweeties on tiktok and at docusweeties one on twitter we need influence like just like Bernie madoff used to have so please follow us so we can take everyone's money but if you want to give us money don't worry there's a legitimate way you can well, and that's via Patreon. So if you would like to see the visuals of what you are listening to, what is tickling your eardrums at this moment, you can go to patreon.com slash docusweeties to get exclusive content. You're going to get these um, podcasts, the visual versions immediately after we have edited them. I mean, I mean, filmed them, sorry, immediately after we've recorded and we do live uh, every first Monday of the month. We also, there's right now exclusive content on there. We've got um, Killer Sally. That's a docu-series. We've got uh, Call Me Miss Cleo. That's a docu-series. Um, there might be some shows that we do exclusive. We don't know. So it just depends on how many people run over to Patreon for that exclusive content. Yes, honey. So please join. It's a great investment with zero risk. Ha 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 ha. Anyway, we love you guys so much. If you don't mind, give us five stars. Other than that, we hope you have, you know, a beautiful rest of your day, beautiful rest of your week. We love you guys so much. Okay. Bye. Bye.